It's Wendy Snyder, and I'm in for Lou Manfredini this morning, and we have a panel of experts, Jim Sullivan in the studio with me this morning, and you're with Tate Enterprises. Uh, Before the break, I was going to ask you about Tate Enterprises. Explain. Yeah, sure. So we're a smaller modeling company. We're out in the western suburbs. We mostly work in like the Hinsdale area, so Hinsdale, LaGrange, Western Springs. Uh, I've got a project going right now in Naperville, which is a little further west than we normally go. But um, but yeah, so we sort of work in the western suburbs where uh, my wife does design, so she oh. does our kitchen and bath design, um, and then I do all the project management. I bet you have a beautiful home. <laughs> yeah, we bought a fixer-upper. It's a, it's a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, it's a fixer-upper. We've been in it like 11 years, and we've done, like, every year we do a project. So, like a typical homeowner, you know, we save and do a project once a year. So, we've done all the bathrooms. Just this last summer, we added hardwood floors to nice. the house as an addition, which was carpeted. So, we added hardwood floors into there and, um, you know, replaced windows, replaced doors. I've done the bathrooms, you know, all that kind of stuff. Of course, like, my number one thing is mechanicals. So, like, want to make sure it's got good structure, good bones. Good bones. You know? Yep, good bones. So, this is a house built in the early 50s. So, like, it had old cloth wiring. So, all that's been redone. Is that knob and tube wiring? Because I think that's what we have. No, knob and tube goes back just a little earlier than the 50s. So this is cloth wiring. Like the 1850s? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In the area you live in, that's right, in the 1850s, sure. The uh, no, this is um, it's cloth wire that's in conduit, but it's cloth wrapped, and it it's fine as long as you don't touch it too much. And when you do, the cloth starts to get really brittle and fall apart. So all that came out and replaced all that, and of course, then that led to redoing all the water pipes. You know, you know. Yes. Typical old house stuff. One thing leads to another, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming yeah, in absolutely. and hanging out with me today. And we have another expert on our panel this morning, and Mike Holmes is on the phone. Mike, good morning to you. I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but everything's bad on this end. <laughs> um, we're trying to do the computer hookup and phone. I got the phone going, but... Uh, Jim sounds like he's underwater over there. I don't know if he's working on a toilet or something. (laughs) Well, we're doing well, and I think the listeners are hearing everything okay. The setup just didn't work. We were supposed to have you on a a, a feed that would have sounded like you weren't on the phone, but you are on the phone because you're no longer in this area, correct? You're from uh, Creative Carpentry. Yep, uh, Creative Carpentry Remodelers, Inc., and uh, we were in business for 37 years, and... uh, it's time for me to retire, so uh, I got out of Dodge. First thing I wanted to do is get out of Illinois, so uh, we moved down to Florida. Uh, perfect timing. I uh, got here two two days before Ian hit, and wow. uh, we survived. But uh, there's still a lot of things going on down here. It's kind of kind of hustle and bustle getting everything up and running, but uh, trying to live the good life. Did you have any damage uh, personally in your home? No, uh, we we were good. We're uh, we were outside of Fort Myers, uh, and it's a new home, so it's built a little little more uh, heavy duty hurricane straps and hurricane windows and all of that. So uh, we were lucky. Uh, lost one little tree, but uh, fixed it the next day, and we're we're fine. But uh, I have some friends who own homes down here, and their house got hit pretty bad. We've been trying to help them out and getting things fixed up and helping neighbors and things. But 
I guess, you know, my retirement didn't really retire. I'm uh, still working because everybody needs help. <laughs> well, that's what I was talking to Jim about. Uh, you guys are contractors. You're also a carpenter, I would assume, Mike. Don't people always ask you for advice? Uh, yeah, like Jim said, uh, only time we do it for free is on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are lucky to have you today. Thank you so much for joining us. This first hour of House Smarts Radio is sponsored by Toro. And all right, here's the deal. Last time I filled in for Lou, uh, people were saying, hey, what's the number? There's a toll-free number. Well, that goes right to Lou's house, his studio, and Lou is off today. So we're going to just use our phone number here at WGN Radio, which is 312-981-7200. And you can call in with any questions, any comments. Um I don't know where to begin today. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, all the issues at our house, because <laughs> that's the best way to get free advice since you guys are on the radio. Um, winter. Uh, you don't have to deal with that anymore, Mike, because you're now uh, residing in Florida. Although the more I think about it, Florida has the hurricanes. Mm-hmm. California has the earthquakes. We have And fire. Uh, I know. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. And and we have hey, you know they're talking wind chills right now over here. <laughs> really? Of course, our wind chills aren't like in Chicago, uh, but uh, I saw people in puffy coats. So <laughs> that's is it like crazy. wind chill? Like it's going to be cold, or the wind is going to be a little chilly? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, that's the thing. You're, you're, it, it's going to be in, in the upper forties, and everybody's like back home when it's going to be in the you know. T- 10 degrees yeah. kind of a thing they're yeah. all bundled up and and la and i are you know we're putting on a light jacket and walking outside <laughs> yeah exactly i guess the, we haven't acclimated yet but the thing is and, and i know you can speak to this too because you're down there what what's interesting is that homes in chicago right are built for chicago and home and things yep. that happen in chicago don't happen in florida different codes, different things they allow than they do here, as well as insulation and all that kind of stuff is just, it's, you would think that it's all standardized, but it's not. Some stuff is, but a lot of stuff is not. Um, And I'm sure you could speak a little bit on how things are different in Florida on homes than they are here. Yeah, just the pitches of the roofs. You'll see a lot more flat roofs out here. I'll tell you one thing, though. Grass is not something like back home. Uh, what we have for grass out here back home, we would use a uh, weed killer. Um, everything's on a sand base. So, yeah, uh, yeah things are so different. Um, yeah. I'm still trying to learn. So Yeah, and then you get critters, different critters. Oh, we yeah. Have. yeah. We, we have skunks, squirrels, mice. You guys you get alligators things. and yeah, chameleons <laughs> and... Yeah. You know, I, I, I have a lake behind me, and we have resident gators. So yeah, there you go. All right, that is t- way too scary. <laughs> it for does me. keep the skunk population down. <laughs> I mean, it has to, right? Yes, but now I have to yeah. ask you, um, Mike. I want to ask you about the flat roofs because I'm thinking, you know, in Florida where there's rain, wouldn't you want a pitched roof to have the water run down? Why flat roofs in Florida? Question of the day, by the way. I feel this is a good question. Well, when I say flat roofs, not perfectly flat, just low pitch. Um, you know, you'll see homes with a, a lot less pitch on them than uh, in the Chicago area because of snow loads. You know, if you have a, a flatter roof, the snow is not going to 
you know, sweep off the roof as fast or as easy, mm-hmm. and you start getting that weight, and you get the wet snows, that's where everybody has their problems, and that's why uh, people try to get those uh, roof rakes where they'll clear off some of the snow to get it off the tree or off the uh, the roof so that you don't have that weight. In, in the warmer climates, you know, rain doesn't, you know, they'll roll right off unless you've got a perfectly flat roof, which you're not going to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and two, like like you said, it, uh, the less pitch, you know, you get that thermal heating of the roof, and so you end up with more ice here, you know, and oh, uh, yeah, around the gutters sense. with flatter roofs. Yep. All right. Well, I'm so glad you guys are here because uh, I am going to go through this blindly today. I, I feel like I'm a little DIYer. Um, I know a few things. I am nowhere near uh, even half of what Lou Manfredini knows in his big old brain. But I have a panel of experts with me today. Uh, contractors Mike Holmes from Creative Carpentry. He's in Florida on the phone. And Jim Sullivan in the studio with Tate Enterprises. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll come back with your calls Again, use the WGN radio number today, not lose toll-free. It's 312-981-7200. It's Wendy in for Lou on 720 WGN. It's Wendy Snyder this morning, not Lou Manfredini, but it still is House Smarts Radio. I have a panel of experts with me, well, two on the panel today, uh, Mike Holmes with Creative Carpentry and Jim Sullivan with Tate Enterprises. And gentlemen, I believe we have our first caller of the day. He has called 312-981-7200, and Gary is on the line with us. Good morning, Gary. Hello. How are you? Okay, uh, my kids just bought a house in Bloomingdale, and they need new windows throughout the entire house. The built, house was built in 1982, and they had someone come out and install a patio door in the back, and that person was a clown. Oh. He, was not a, he was not a carpenter. He was an idiot, and I tried to explain it how it should be done to this idiot of a clown. I was in the field myself for 40 years. I tell in two minutes if a person knows what they're doing or not. And, Gary, I know your frustration. I know your frustration. Your kids are spending money. You expect them to get a good product. Yeah. So what is your specific question? Okay. My question is, who's a reputable window company? in the area so i can't really answer that i don't really work in bloomingdale in terms of making a referral um i would say though that there are uh, i belong to an organization uh which is called nary um, which stands for the national association of the remodeling industry you can actually go on their website and you can find contractors through nary uh that work in your area um, the nice thing about Nary Contractors is we sort of uh, belonging to that organization means we sort of take an oath to uphold, you know, good standards and good quality and all that kind of stuff. And there's a organization that kind of backs us up through that. Um, and if there were any issues that would arise, you know, because, you know, things do happen on job sites, there's an organization that you can contact and, you know, other contractors can kind of get involved. It's a little bit of a, a fellowship, if you will. Along with- 
Yeah, along with that, the certifications, if uh, they're a certified remodeler or, or whatever, they have to take continuing education. So to keep your credentials, you're always having to uh, show that you're learning more and attending different uh, types of seminars and things like that. So that there's always progress on the uh, education. I, I will throw into, um, I am a lover of Gilkey Windows, uh, the Gilkey Window Company. We have gotten a front door. We've gotten a back door. We have a lot of windows in a very old house that was built around 1890. And we're doing it at our own pace um, where we could get the ones in terrible shape done first and move our way ultimately through the whole house. I've used them. It's, you know, I, I paid for the windows and they do, they did a great job. So... That's something uh, to look into as well. I know Lou Manfredini is a, a big fan of Gilkey Window Company as well. It's Gilkey.com. They've done a great job for me. We called them up, and they didn't even come out. Well, I, I you know, then check that Nary website again. Um, what is yeah. the specific site he should go to, Jim? Uh, I believe it's uh, nary.gc.org, I believe. Okay. We'll look that up. Uh, you can look that up, too. It's N-A-R-I, correct? Yeah, N-A-R-I-G-C, which stands for Greater Chicago. Good luck to you, Gary. I, I hear your frustration, and I know your frustration, because, and especially it's like your kids. People spend their hard-earned yeah. money on something, and you want it to be done correctly. And Yeah. I'm just too old. I'm 80 years old. I can't do it anymore. Oh. Yeah, and I was going to say, the thing is, is that there's good guys out there, and I'm sorry you had a bad experience with one, but for every one, there's five others out there that are good and would impress you, you know, with, with the work they're doing. It's just a matter of finding them, and that's the challenge. That is the big, yep. part, hard yep. part of it. Yep. I agree. Well, good luck to you, Gary, okay? Take care of yourself. I know, I know that frustration, you know? And, I mean, there are many people out there, and it's frustrating. You call someone, you think you're doing the right thing, and then you basically get screwed. It's difficult, especially as a homeowner. I, and I totally get it. Trust me, I've done projects in my own home. And the thing is, is, you know, I, we, that's one of the benefits of really working with a contractor is we vet these people. Like, I don't do the work, but what people pay for through my services is that I vet these people that, that they do a good job. They show up when they're going, to, when they say they're going to, and all those kinds of things. And, for a window job, I wouldn't necessarily call a contractor, but but my point is is that you know there are good people out there. It's just like I said, finding them is is difficult. But that's like anything, you know what I mean? If Absolutely. You, if you're looking for a, a good you know heart surgeon, you know what I mean? You you, you got to do your homework. You got to do your homework exactly because you don't want an idiot clown. You don't that's want all an idiot I'm clown in you. the operating room. <laughs> all right, it is six thirty and it's news time. It's Dave Schwan here on seven twenty three one two. 981-7200. You can call, you can text 312-981-7200. I have my panel of experts this morning, uh, contractors Mike Holmes with Creative Carpentry and Jim Sullivan with Tate Enterprises. Um, we were talking off the air, Jim, and Mike, we'll pull you into this. Uh, it's a new year, and this is uh, a time that people start thinking about, ah, you know what, I want to get in shape and I want my house to be in shape. So you start thinking about projects you want to do. Are there some big trends in, let's take uh, kitchens, for example. I had my kitchen somewhat remodeled. We had terribly ugly laminate flooring, so we had uh, some 
I guess it was uh, prefab hardwood put there. Oh, prefab hardwood. Okay. I, I think that's what it is. It's definitely wood. Okay. It's really cool looking. There's some light. There's some dark. And we've got new cabinets with builder supply outlets. And we did not get new appliances. That is soon on the way. But we didn't change the layout at all. Sure. It's um, like a U-shaped area. Yeah. And I wish it was bigger. Does everybody wish their kitchen was bigger? <laughs> Yeah, I've never heard, yeah, two things, right? I've never heard anyone say, boy, I wish this kitchen were smaller. And I've never had anybody tell me, boy, this house has way too much storage. Yeah, all right, fair enough. So, you know, Mike, I'll ask you, Creative Carpentry, is there a way, um, you know, like, I didn't know how to change things around without putting, you know, knocking down walls or adding an addition. Are there ways to change up your kitchen and and move things around a little bit and and utilize it better? Certainly. You know, I always tell people, um, think of the space as a clean slate you know, you're so used to your, we're talking kitchen, so you're so used to your kitchen being a certain way. The sink is here and this is there. Uh, you, you can change all of that. In most cases, you can change it without too much issue. So you have to be a little more open-minded and say, you know, what, what if we move the sink over there? You know, would that give us a better uh, flow for uh, making dinner or, or whatever? The other thing that I really highly suggest, and we did it in our own kitchen, was drawers. Um you know, you lose so much on your base cabinet. You lose so much storage space by having a door with a shelf, and you got to take things out and put them back in. If you get rid of the door, put in double drawers or triple drawers, full extension, uh, so they come out all the way. Make sure you got heavy glides on them so they can handle the weights of all the pots and pans and small appliances. But Having those drawers just makes it work so much easier, especially, as I can say, as we get older, uh, you don't want to be on your knees trying to dig back, getting that, that lid for the pot that's <laughs> stuck all the way in the back. Um, so I highly recommend that. Even with your, your pantries, you know, pantry cabinets, floor-to-ceiling cabinets, a lot of drawers on the bottom because it just makes it so much easier to get to things. Um, when I did so. go to Builder Supply Outlet, and they have experts that can design things for you, and then I had my own contractor install the cabinets, I didn't know anything about putting pots and pans in a drawer. That was new to me, and I said, I don't know that that's going to work. That is the most uh, brilliant idea ever. And also a, a pantry next to uh, the refrigerator um, we actually lost some overhead cabinets, but we made up for it with that drawer, as I mentioned, and the pantry next to the refrigerator. The pull-out drawers in there, greatest thing ever invented in the whole wide world. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of gadgets like that. Even if you if you wanted to just give your kitchen a facelift, there's uh, companies that make all of these units that you can um Install to your existing cabinets, they will fit into it with minimal work. Even you know, a weekend handyman can can add these drawer units. Uh, you'll still have the door, but now you have the rollouts, or you can even take the door and attach it to uh, a rollout on the uh, the box and make the whole door be a drawer front. Wow. And then you have another drawer inside on the upper part of it. I know it gets hard to explain over the radio, but you could have two drawers and and have these accessible items. It just is, it's amazing. And, And there's a lot of companies that make that kind of product. So you need to look around a little bit.
I, I have a question for you. I, I know in some really big professional looking kitchens, a lot of people put the panels on their refrigerator. Is that just a matter of taste? Because I sure like the look of, we have black appliances right now. Our dishwasher crapped out, so we got a stainless steel dishwasher because ultimately we would like stainless. I like the look of that. Are, are the panels just a matter of taste or is there a particular reason it's for those? cosmetic, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's cosmetic. It's cosmetic. Yep. It, it, it kind of keeps that whole cabinet flow looking. But I agree with you. If you have a nice looking stainless steel appliance or, you know, they got the uh, the gun metal tones and stuff, mm-hmm. they, they look pretty sharp. So you don't want to cover those up. Yeah, and typically, believe it or not, panel-ready appliances usually cost more than a stainless steel appliance. Um, I My thinking is that they think, you know, the... the the manufacturers think, oh, this must be a higher end kitchen. You know what I mean? So the uh, so so without the stainless on there, a lot of in a lot of cases they're they're more expensive. Uh, and what do you do you with know? all the stuff uh, that is magnetized to your refrigerator door? I have a clutter problem on my refrigerator. Do you guys have any idea where can I put all that stuff if it's not with magnets on the refrigerator? You need a big <laughs> bulletin board, like a nice push pin bulletin board. That's. <laughs> We did a kitchen a while back, and they wanted the stainless steel refrigerator, but their kids had their little letter magnets, and they used to play on the the refrigerator with those while mom was cooking dinner. So what we ended up doing is we put in a um, a pull-out. One side, it was a uh, chalkboard, and on the other side, it was uh, metal, and it was like a, a narrow cabinet, like what you'd have for your your trays and stuff. And you would just pull it out, and they could have all of their magnets on one side and chalk on the other, and it, it solved the problem, and she got the look that she wanted. So sometimes you just think outside the box a little. That is so creative. Uh, creative carpentry is the name of the game, is it not, Mike? <laughs> Yeah, that that's our name. That's so, fantastic. Yeah, sometimes you just got to really think about your project, and I always tell people that you know don't don't just jump into it. Like I said, think outside the box, move your sinks or whatever, but think of all the things you like and don't like about your room, and and start trying to address those. Get rid of the things you don't like and try to make up with the others. Um, there's one other thing too. Uh, La is sitting in with me, and she mentioned um, there's magnetic paint. So oh. you could always you paint your wall um, with this magnetic paint, and then you put the color that you want on top of that. You have to do a few layers of the magnetic paint, and then you do your, your color that you actually want on the wall, and you can have magnets actually stick to the, the wall. You know, my, boy, my boys are in their 20s. I think it's time I take down their drawings and handprints and things that they made. <laughs> Maybe it's time to move on. Well, I want you to go with you i just stopped for the younger crowd right you know, no. we're a little bit older <laughs> i understand that and jim uh since we're talking kitchens uh, before we take a break here are there any certain trends in kitchens that are happening now we're still seeing a lot of painted cabinets um you know two uh we're doing several in two tones so we may do the upper cabinets in one color um particularly if it's a household with young kids because paint tends to look more beat up more quickly where sometimes we'll do a uh, paint on the top and then uh, maybe a, nat- a stained natural wood on the bottom so that you know where you're where the kids are grabbing a little more durable than the painted finish but um still doing a lot of painted cabinets um of course quartz countertops is mostly what we see um, why quartz over granite 
it's just it's it's a little more user friendly. Um, it doesn't require sealing. It's super hard, just like granite is, um, and it's just it's it it. It's just easier for the homeowner to maintain. It doesn't stain, yeah. um, and if it does stain, it's pretty easy to get out. Um, and they're just they're just a lot more durable. It's quartz is a man made product. Granite, of course, is a natural stone. Marble is a natural stone. Quartz is kind of an in between. The other reason quartz is super- you'll get a lot more. Go ahead. Mike. I'm sorry, Jim. You'll get a lot more. Uh- a variance in a, a stone, true, a true stone. Uh, the granite, you can get some really amazing grain patterns. Mm-hmm. But I agree with Jim that the, the uh, quartz is just user friendly. Uh, you don't have to worry about a lot of things you have to with the uh, stone, the yeah. true stones. I went all over Elk Grove Village looking for the coolest granite, oh, yeah. black with these big giant white veins, and yep. I found it. And every time I listen to Lou, someone calls in about sealing your granite, and I write things down because he's got like granite gold or something that he recommends. I have never sealed my granite, and I probably should do that. Well, you'll keep it yes, from staining, should. but the Definitely. thing is, is that it does depend on you know what are you putting on the granite. So if you're you know if you're chopping vegetables, you know tomatoes and that kind of stuff, and you're doing them straight away on the counter, or those things are leaking off your cutting board that's when you're going to stain them. So if you are very diligent about keeping them clean and not letting things sit on there, you probably can get away with a longer period between uh, sealing. Like five years? I would recommend sealing <laughs> your countertops at this time. <laughs> All right. Okay, now you're pushing it. All right. Well, I will find out. You know, I'm going to call Lou next week and find out what I use. I think it's granite gold. I think that's what he um, talks about. I do listen to him every Saturday, and now I'm sitting in for him. Gentlemen, we're going to take a break. Uh, listeners, feel free to call us at 312-981-7200. You can call. You can text. Again, 312-981-7200. We're using that number this week. As I sit in for Lou Manfredini on House Smarts Radio here on 720 WGN. So you can call us here in the studios at WGN, uh, 312-981-7200. That's 312-981-7200. And I'm joined by Mike Holmes with Creative Carpentry this morning and Jim Sullivan with Tate Enterprises. And um, I am going to bring this up. I did this live read for Arnold Electric, and um, I should perhaps call them. It was really cold. Um, Mike, you wouldn't know that because you're in Florida right now. But, Jim, you, of course. It's brutally cold down here. Oh, poor baby. We're feeling so sorry for you. Um, Jim, we had a a pretty big cold snap for a while. Yeah, Yeah, over Christmas. And I went out and bought some space heaters. Mm. And I was very nervous about that Mm -hmm. because I know... um, you have to, I know that a lot of house fires are caused by space heaters. So, you know, it says on the thing to keep them three feet away from certain Curtains, items. Any fabric, yeah, yeah, any flammable thing. Uh, I got one of those radiator ones, the oil filled yeah, one. Yeah, the one that looked like a uh, uh, radiator. Yeah. yeah, like in an old house. And we plugged yeah, hydronic. it. <laughs> yeah. Hydronic. Very good. Thanks, Mike. And I, I felt that that was a relatively safe one. Um, it's in our unfinished laundry room, it, it's freezing in there. Okay. So my husband um, is not typically very handy, but he actually put some weather stripping on the basement door, and then we put the the oil-filled radiator plug-in heater there. And uh, it's something that we left on. I know you're not supposed to leave it on when you're not in the room, but it was away from everything. I felt comfortable doing it. Um, 
but we plugged it in to, I guess, a dedicated circuit for the dishwasher. Well, I happened uh, to start the dishwasher, and then all of a sudden our circuit blew. Mm. So it's very important. I'm just putting a tip out there. They say right in the instructions of your space heaters to have that be the only thing in the outlet. Sure. And then when you're not using it, you unplug it, and I did learn that. Yes, and also don't... Well, the heating elements... Go ahead, ahead, I was just to say, and also uh, don't plug them in using an extension cord. That's Uh a a big thing also. Uh, Well, then why don't they make the cord longer? (laughs) (laughs) Because I think they want you... It's size for the unit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but that's the biggest thing. Those hydronics are pretty safe. Um, but again, like Jim said, you put an extension cord on it, the cord starts to heat up. It, it's it's too much draw for it, and, and then you get a fire from the cord, not necessarily from the unit itself. Well, I was at a uh, big box store, and uh, I asked the guy um, what kind of cord, how many gauge mm-hmm. I would need for that. And they do make appliance cords, mm-hmm. and that's what I got, so I feel like that's safe. Should I not be using that? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Here's the thing. Uh, I'm a I'm a bit of a technical guy, and I'm going to try and explain this in a non-technical way. But anything that produces heat has a wattage rating. Uh, so let's say, for example, it says, like, your hair dryer is 1,200 watts. All of the electricity that comes in our house is, run, is coming in at 120 volts. So if you have a 1,200-watt uh, hair dryer... And 120 volts going to it. If you divide 120 into 1200, that will tell you that you're using 10 amps. Now, why does that matter? Because the average outlet in your house, unless it's in the kitchen usually or the bathroom, is a 15 amp outlet. So if you if 10 amps is being consumed by your hair dryer, that's going to tell you that I can't run much else while that hair dryer is running. So when you're looking at a space heater, if it says 1500 watts and you divide 1500 and 1200, you'll come up with it's about 12.3, which is why when your dishwasher came on on that same circuit, it blew it because you overextended what the circuit breaker would allow. Got it. So the higher the wattage, well the more put, heat you're... Very thank, well put. Thank that, you. That, can I just say that yeah. really was explained very well? Thank because you. You, all the numbers were coming, and all of a sudden I'm like, uh-oh. There, yeah. I thought there would be no math today. But I really <laughs> did get that. I understand Once that. Once you know it, it yeah. makes sense, right? Totally. And so, so when you, the higher the wattage, the more heat you're going to get, but at a cost of using more electricity. And always, when any, whenever you buy one of these electric appliances, you they're always going to be running on 120 volts. So it's 120 divided by the watts, and that will tell you how much you know how many other things could be on the same circuit. But I think you'll find that most and often you're not going to be able to run much else on that circuit. As for the extension cord part of it, most people what they'll do is like a lamp cord, which is way too mm-hmm. light. Um, so that's going to overheat very quickly. Mm-hmm. You could get the heavier gauge uh, extension cord, and, and technically that's fine. But like Jim's saying, you're still, if anything else is uh, being used on that same circuit, it's going to blow the breaker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, typically the cord is the problem because most people have those those uh, skinny mm-hmm. uh, lamp cord kind of extension cords, and those aren't rated for that. So they'll overheat and they'll cause the fire. 
Um, and I will give you a little hint that I learned from the guy at uh, Menards or Home Depot. I don't even remember where I was. But the appliance cord, I think, was 16 gauge. And it wasn't long enough. I said, you know, I needed a one that was about six feet. And he just walked over and said, okay, well, here is a 16 gauge. It's red. The ends light up and you could use this. Was he correct in telling me that? Mm, 16 gauge sounds a little thin. So s- maybe it was higher than that. Whatever the appliance cord was, it said whatever gauge. And then he went to the um, extension cords and matched the same gauge. Got it. I, it just wasn't yeah. an actual appliance cord. Was he you. giving me the right uh, information? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Possibly. possibly. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, though. Let me take it back a little bit. What kind of heat do you have in your house? Uh, forced air. It is forced air, yes. so you have a furnace? Yes. Okay. And Are you surprised the, I even knew the answer no, to that? No, because uh, based on the age of your house, I was thinking maybe you had a boiler. No. Um, and I was thinking, hmm, maybe your issue is that your house just isn't zoned very well, or like, you know, why do you need a space heater is what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> well, it, well, she also could have dampers that need to be adjusted. Right, that's what I'm... Um, yeah. in, in your uh, venting system, a lot of times there's dampers. It's just basically a little paddle that you can control how much airflow goes through each duct. And um, in a lot of cases, we change those from summer to winter because mm-hmm. you want more heat going into the basement and, and heat rises. So it eventually gets up to your upper floors and vice versa in, in the wintertime or summertime when you have your air conditioning going on. So maybe you need to find these dampers and redirect a little more airflow, a little more heated air into your basement space. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is a very good idea. Um, I did open the dampers in the basement, but I did not close the ones upstairs. And, you know, we women sometimes get hot flashes when we're sleeping. and it gets, So <laughs> downstairs it's freezing, yeah. and upstairs it gets too hot. So, yeah, I'm going to so close those dampers. So the other thing you can do, again, these are well, pro well, tips. Look at it this way. You know, everybody, everybody has their New Year's resolutions losing <laughs> yeah. weight. Yeah. So if you're doing that, just go up and down the stairs to whatever temperature you need, <laughs> and you're getting the extra exercise to burn off some unwanted poundage, you know. Perfect so it's a, idea. It's a bonus, kind of. And the other thing you can do, again, these are pro tips, these are free. <laughs> Thank you. So, like Mike said, heat rises. So another thing you can try, and again, none of this happens quickly, so you can't make these changes and go, oh, yeah, that didn't do anything. It, you know, it, it, it really is. You got to give it a little bit of time. But the other thing you can do is with fan-forced heat, there's supplies and there are returns. So because heat rises, you might find that if you turn off all of your returns on the highest level of your house where it's the warmest, your furnace then will draw more cold air out of the colder spaces so that in turn you're flipping that air over faster in those spaces because you're removing more cold air from the lower areas. That is great advice. And, you know, you don't want to cut off too much and choke off your furnace either. You have to be careful on that. Like Jim said, do a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. Because if you cut it all the way off and it's sucking all the air from in through one uh, return, it might not be pulling enough air and your furnace is going to work harder mm-hmm. to try to get the airflow going. Great advice, gentlemen. I appreciate that. And it's an old house with yep. duct work that honestly is not really that great. Yep. So well, it's an old house and, you know, it... it Energy was cheap when that house was yeah. built. Yeah. Well, when we bought that house, we found an old coal door in the basement. Yeah. So, yeah, yep. it was definitely yeah. uh, 
We're going to go back to coal. You see, that's what I'm going to do. All right. We are going to take a break. We're going to do some news. We have Mike Holmes uh, with Creative Carpentry joining us today, Jim Sullivan with Tate Enterprises. And let me give that phone number out again. It's a new hour. You're just getting up. It's 7 o'clock on a Saturday, 312-981-7200. It's Wendy in for Lou, House Smarts Radio on 720 WGN. Involve a carpenter. Uh, Mike Holmes is with us today from Creative Carpentry. Jim Sullivan with Tate Enterprises. I am Wendy Snyder. I'm sitting in for Lou Manfredini this morning. It's House Smarts Radio, and we have a number for you to call today. It's not Lou's typical toll-free number, because he's off today. He's enjoying himself. So call us at 312-981-7200, and we can take a call. Jeff is on line one. I'm going to try and... Uh, See, it, I can't get this phone to work, Bob Ferguson. I don't know what the deal is. So Erica has joined us this morning. Good, or Excuse me. This is Jeff, right? Uh, yes. All right. Sorry, Jeff. Can you hear me? Yeah, we have crazy. Um, good. Yes. Good morning to you, Jeff. Welcome good. aboard. Good. good morning to you. Um, I have a question. I will be buying a new home soon, and I'm a very handy person. I've done a lot of projects, but I'm kind of wondering what, like, the top three or top five things um, to kind of start with uh, in a new home. Congratulations, by the way. It's yeah. very exciting to buy. Is this your first home? Um, unfortunately, no. It's my it's my third due to other circumstances, but just kind of wanted to pick the expert's brain. Yeah, sure. Are you, Great question. Are you gonna uh, Are you going to hire a home inspector, or are you going to... Just kind of look at it over over yourself. No, I'll 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 definitely hire a home inspector. Got so it. I'm sure that they'll uncover you know new roof you yep. know potential yep. that kind of stuff. But yep. just kind of when I get in the guts of the home, yep. Just kind of yeah. So when I, when I have a client that's buying a new home and I do a walkthrough with them, um, some of the things that I'm looking for are just like moisture kind of problems. Cause those can be very hard to deal with, um, in a home. So I'm usually walking through the basement. I'm looking for any cracks in the foundation. I'm looking at kind of the, you know, the structure as it relates to, you know, everything that's happening below ground. Um, checking to see like, has the sump pump ever been changed? Like, what does that kind of look like? That you know, is it the original? Does it have a backup? Are there five sump pumps in the pit? Because that might be another alarm to that 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 would be you know cause for concern. Um, so I'm also looking at mechanicals. I'm looking at the electrical box. Is it labeled? Has there been a bunch of circuits that have been added that didn't that don't look like they were there from the original construction? And were they you know was it done properly? Um, if there's an addition on the house, I'm gonna look at you know how is it connected how is the roof in that area does it does it flow does it look like it's going to be a problem with snow and ice in the winter um so i'm kind of just doing a general of you know kind of big ticket items i also strongly recommend too if it's an older home i do recommend getting a sewer inspection as well which some people don't really do but uh, plumbers, um, uh, some people do uh, as, as part of a home inspection. A, a typical home inspector wouldn't do it. You'd have to contract with a plumber uh, individually. And you'd have to pay for that, You right? would pay for it, for sure. Um, and But it's nice to know because that's a really expensive thing to have done if the sewer is bad. And when they're checking the sewer, 
They're looking for, of course, tree roots. They're looking for breaks. They're looking for low spots where water is holding up in there.、Um, and so that is another item that 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 I would have checked, particularly if it's an older home. And that's a camera inspection. That's a camera I, inspection. I, I agree with that. The mechanicals, the roof and foundation, are are the main things for me because that's the bones of the house. But one other thing I would、uh, consider doing is, as you're walking through, look at the the work that's been done in the house. Is it you know a weekend warrior trying to do projects that exceed his level of expertise?、Um, you know, do you see little weird things that aren't done quite right?、Um, because those are those things that you can see. Then that tells you there's stuff behind the walls that you will want to know about. <laughs> So I kind of look at、uh, the the remodeling work that's been done. Does it look like it was done by a qualified person or a weekend warrior? That's great advice.、Okay. Um, what about radon?、Uh, that's something that、uh, when we moved in our home, almost every house around us had one of those. Uh, radon, radon reduction systems. Yes,、yep. and we did a radon test, and we were in the clear. It was not above a certain level. And now I'm wondering. We've been in this house 25 years, and I'm wondering now if I should test again because all the houses around us have those. Whatever units to、yep. get rid of the radon. Yep, I I definitely believe that there will be a day when radon systems are just put in. It's just it's automatic when the house is built, and it's a gas that leaks up. It's a gas that through... leaks up. It's a natural gas that leaks up through the earth. Uh, usually, uh, where people are going to、uh, find radon is coming from the basement because it's the lowest area. Usually through sump pits,、and... uh, through ejector pumps,、uh, like those pits, cracks in basement floors, all those kinds of things. And the whole idea with the radon reduction system is that it it's constant pressure. Pulling air out from underneath the foundation and underneath the concrete floor in the basement to get it out of the house and redirected back up into the sky. The problem with radon is you can have a test that、uh, that, that passes today, but next week, you know, something opened up underground. Of course, you can't see it or you don't notice any change. But now something is emitting that gas. So you, it, you can test. You could have good, a neighbor that has it and your house is not. Right.、Uh, it's it, it's sporadic that way. Right. right. But. You know, when I first started doing this, radon was ah,、oh, it's radon. Who cares? It's a natural gas. Blah blah blah. But it's not that way anymore. Like there's a lot of studies out there that show it's not good for you. And so, I believe that we'll get to a day. So my point is, is yes, I would have it radon tested if you're buying a new home if it does not have a radon reduction system. And my feeling is, is that eventually it's just going to be part of new construction. Okay, and Jeff, I just brought that up because when we bought this house so many years ago,、uh, the building inspector actually put,、uh, or the home inspector actually did a radon test, sent it away, and gave us our results.、Mm-hmm. But so that's something they'll probably handle. Jeff won't have to do that on his own.、Um, I. Mm, I don't do a lot of buying and selling of homes. I'm not sure if it's automatic, Mike. Do you know if it's automatic、uh, that an inspector would check that? If not, ask about it, Jeff. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that the, the more up to date home inspectors are going to do that、uh, because it is an issue.、Um, but I don't think it's a it's a regulation or anything kind of deal where they have to do it. Like you know, that's part of the the job. But if you have somebody that's good, you're going to have. A whole list.、Uh, they'll show you everything that they're going to inspect and and how they rate it.、Um, so just look on that or ask them specifically because 
like Jim said, it is an issue where they're finding more and more about it. All right. Well, now I'm nervous. I'm going to go buy a radon uh, detection <laughs> kit on my way home. Um, all right. Well, good luck to you, Jeff. We uh, we appreciate you calling and good luck with the new home. All right. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, appreciate good luck. It. That's so exciting. I want a Take new care. home. <laughs> I do. I I can't remember where we were. Um, and we looked at like a brand new home. I don't know. I just feel like I have the character of a home built in the 1800s. Yeah, the thing is, is that uh, I mean, you have an old home uh, which has a ton of character. And the thing about it is, the difference in your home and a new home, let's say, is that your house isn't going to shift and move like a new home does. Anytime you build a new home, the ground is disturbed. You've added a ton of weight to it, and things settle, things happen. Usually in an older home like yours, it's all, if it's going to move, it's already moved. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, you don't know how many times we go, well, it's been fine for 100 yeah. years. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's going to be that way yeah. again. What is great about a new home, though, is that they deal with water a lot better than they did oh, when yeah. your house was built. Yeah. You know, when we're talking basement water system, you know, waterproofing systems and all that kind of stuff just didn't exist when your home was built. People didn't care. And I'll be honest but, with you. Back when that, uh, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say back when that home was when your home was built, um yes, it's it's pretty much settled as much as it's going to settle, but we've added gutters to it and we we've added uh sump pumps and things like that and those are all things that you need to consider where that water is being shed off to because if you don't get it away from the home now that water's going right along your foundation and and you're no longer uh in that footing where it's been there forever now you're putting the water in and it's starting to wash things away so you have to be careful that way so the drainage of all of these newer systems that we put in have to be uh, monitored also. Well, I'll be honest with you. When we moved in, we had many years of not having a sump pump. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was one time there was a tornado warning and um, my husband was at work. So I brought the two boys and the dog down in the basement and the tornado warning is going on outside. And then all of a sudden there's like this gusher in the middle of our basement where I guess the old water heater was. And we were up uh, sitting on the stairs because the whole basement was flooded. That next day I called Permaseal mm-hmm. <laughs> because I couldn't take that anymore. Yeah. And we got a sump pump. We got a battery backup. We got a, a, a drain tile system. Yep. And I'm telling you, it was the... I'm still making payments on it. They yeah. had great financing, yeah. but I'm telling you, it's the best money we ever spent. Oh, yeah. And you've added a ton of value yeah. to the home because if yeah. you if you sell the home, if you were to sell the home, you have to disclose if you've had water issues. Oh, we had water. Yeah, and if and that's okay to do so long as you can prove that yes, we had water issues, and here's what we did to resolve it. It's it honestly, it's worth the peace of mind. I know Roy Spencer says that all the time, yeah. but it's it's really true. It Every true. time it ra- it rained, we would run down in the basement to check things, and our backyard still floods a little bit, so not everything's perfect. But you know what? I'd rather have the backyard flooded than our basement. Absolutely. So there's a, there's a yeah, testimonial. I'm, I'm looking at whole house generators here because we uh, have the storms come through and tend to lose power. And, you know, you hope you never need it. But again, it's that peace of mind knowing that if our power goes out, we still have our AC, we still have our refrigerator, our our cooking, everything. Um, So it's peace of mind, like you say. 
It's totally worth it. Um, Mike Holmes is on the line with Creative Carpentry. Jim Sullivan in the studio with us today from Tate Enterprises. I'm Wendy Snyder sitting in for Lou Manfredini. And we'll continue with your calls. 312-981-7200. That's 312-981-7200. It's House Smarts Radio on 720 WGN. 312-981-7200. Mike Holmes is with us today with Creative Carpentry. And Jim Sullivan with Tate enterprises because I need experts. I mean, I can um, I can do a few DIY things. My claim to fame is changing the wax ring on my toilet. Big whoop. Uh, granted, it took me two weeks. Hey, that's impressive. <laughs> that's impressive. Well, it was the downstairs powder room that thankfully no one needed for a while because, you know, it did take me over a week. You know, I put the the tape, do not cross this line for a while. Maybe not quite as impressive, (laughs) but still impressive. (laughs) Well, now that I've done it once, I'll know to call someone because it was really gross and yucky. It is gross um, and yucky. um, All right. uh, Someone. And smelly. um, Yes. Yeah, it's just really weird. I don't even, uh, I don't want to get into it. Uh, This hour of House Smarts Radio is sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems. You know I love Permaseal because I don't have any worries now with water in my basement. Sue has called us on line one, 312-981-7200. Sue, good morning to you. Hi, how are you? I've got a little bit of a cold, so if I start coughing, you know... Bear with me. I'll save you because I have that going on, too. Just getting last day of an antibiotic was yesterday. Well, and I think they love us. They don't want to leave, but that's <laughs> right. okay. I have a question about the radon. I, I never even had my uh, house tested because I didn't care at that point. I was going to buy this house no matter what. Why do I even have to have it tested? Why can't I just put the radon, whatever you call it, deflector in. Mm -hmm. Would that make sense to do? Because you just said you could be tested today and it's kind of like COVID. Yep. (laughs) You may have it, you know. Yep. I agree with you. uh, There's no reason you can't have a radon reduction system put in. And even if your house tested high um, or, you know, elevated levels of radon, the, the the system that is put in is pretty much standard across the board. Um, so, yeah. I yeah, I mean, to your point, I would just have it put in. Because I, I, I guarantee you when you sell your house, it's going to get tested. And if it tests negative yeah. or if it tests high, you're going to put it in when you sell on your dollar. So you may as well do it, you know, uh, sooner rather than later because it's not unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't know if you had high radon because it's odorless and tasteless. So, so right. yeah. What what is the average cost kind of in the Chicago area? Are you talking a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred? Probably anywhere from three to five thousand dollars would be my guess. I really don't know. I know how it's installed, but um, I again I do remodeling, so I yeah. don't really get into a whole lot of radon. I oh. don't I don't sell homes right. or yeah, but um, I would just you know look, uh, get get an estimate from a couple different people. The systems, yeah. like you said, are, are pretty much all the same. Um, it's basically, who does uh, that? Who do you call? Do it's you a just... radon s- okay. uh, company that deals that deals with it. Um, the price right. can change a lot too, depending wait, wait. on your your foundation mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. So, did... Oh, say okay. that again, Mike. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Oh uh, no, that's okay. Uh, it, the price of having that system installed can. Uh, fluctuate a lot just on your foundation system. Do you have a crawl space? You know, is it a concrete crawl space? Do you have, you know, a full basement? Um, because they have to seal up all the cracks and all of the 
the non-covered areas. So like if you have a crawl space that just has gravel in it or even dirt, that all has to be sealed off. So the price of installations can really depend on your existing home. Oh, okay. Good point. All right, but now all of a sudden, Sue, I would do the test first because now all of a sudden it's not going to be like, you know, oh, $1,200 will get this done, but, you know. Exactly. It'll be more like getting a whole house generator. Okay. (laughs) Well, look into it. Yeah, (laughs) I would get a a prize personally or more than one prize and then go from there and make the decision. (laughs) But uh, but like I said, if it tests high, you'll end up putting it in when you sell. So you may as well, you know. And, Sue, maybe that's why you and I both have colds, because we don't have radon reduction units in our home. So let's get estimates. (laughs) All right. right. Have a great weekend. Thank you for calling. I guess that makes sense. I mean, at least to get an estimate. See, that's the whole thing is you need to figure out how much it is. Then you can either budget for it or say, okay, we'll do that, you know, in six months. But that's a great way to do it. We need to break for news. And um, we are going to do that. It's Wendy in for Lou. And feel free to call us or text us 312-981-7200. House Smarts Radio on 720 WGN. Do you love that brick around your fireplace? Or is it looking a little dated? If you've been wanting to update or lighten the exposed bricks surrounding your fireplace without spending a fortune, this week's New Tulu 2 might be your answer. The Gianni Brick Transformations Whitewashed Kit will transform your fireplace or brick accent into the centerpiece it was meant to be. And guess what? You can do it DIY style in just a few hours, and it won't break the bank. The densely pigmented formula is specially crafted to work hand-in-hand with brick so that it easily absorbs and creates a durable, long-lasting whitewash look on a range of brick colors. The kit itself contains everything you need from the paint itself to the brush to the drop cloth. And what's so cool about this stuff is that you can adjust the brick coverage yourself by mixing different ratios of water to paint. So say you'd like more of that natural brick color to peek through, you mix a one-to-one ratio of water to paint. Then after you apply it to the brick, wipe it away with a wiping rag. If you want more coverage, do a one-to-two ratio of water to paint using the wiping rag. Or for total coverage, use that same one-to-two ratio water to paint and don't even use the wiping rag. So the look you are going for is completely in your hands. There's a bunch of step-by-step videos online if you're looking for more information, a ton of before and after images, and even more really good reviews. Oh, and one kit goes for $39.95. Deal! For more information on the Gianni Brick Transformations Whitewashed Kit, check out Lou's House Smarts YouTube channel and be sure to click the subscribe button while you're there. That's this week's I love the new to Lou too, and I am on GianniGranite.com right now. Brick Transformations Whitewashed. This is a DIY paint kit for your home, and I'm telling you, I'm looking at the before and after pictures, and it's pretty cool looking. It's Wendy in for Lou this week. Mike Holmes is here with Creative Carpentry, and Jim Sullivan with Tate Enterprises. Did people paint bricks before? Oh, yeah. It's oh, always for been sure. a yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing. I like it. looking at this. It's it's more like a, a stain yeah. for a brick. Like, it's, you know, it's not it's not completely covering it, so it's letting some natural show. And, like, uh, they were saying, uh, Lindsay was saying on the uh, piece there, is you can control how much brick you want to see bleeding through. So it's not just one color of paint. You can kind of, you know, make it look natural by 
creating what how As you say, the nice thing on that is it, it if you had a traditional you know brick red kind of uh, mantle uh, fireplace system and you wanted something a little more contemporary because that's what a lot of people seem to be going into now are the grays and blacks and that and um, it's amazing how you can take that brick red fireplace and give it a new more modern look without having to resurface the whole thing well it because here's the thing i mean you know we all like shiny new things but lately i've been loving the distressed stuff and with the whitewash on it it does have that distressed look that is pretty cool looking i don't know i i wish there was more exposed brick in our house i like that lofty look that you have but um just the before and after pictures of this really brightens up the whole room instead of that dark red brick. Yeah, Wendy, I'm here to tell you that uh, not every house has beautiful, nice red brick. Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> we, I have seen some pretty uh, nasty bricks. So uh, the idea that you can, uh, for $40, uh, make a huge impact on a statement piece in a room, I think it's a good, a good deal. All right, well, that is this week's New to Lou 2, and you can go to GianniGranite.com, Brick Transformations Whitewashed Kit. It's pretty cool. All right, 312-981-7200. We are going to go to line three, and Bess has called us this morning. Good morning, Bess. You're on the line with me, Wendy, and Mike Holmes, and Jim Sullivan. Good morning, first-time caller. Welcome. Thank you. I have a, a, a two-flat, and the second floor is vacant. I mean, we need to rehab it. We don't have the money right now to rehab it. So what we were doing, we just put, uh, like, plastic on all the windows to try to minimize the damage. Or do we need to run a heater there on the second floor? But there's no electricity. So we would have to run a heater from, you know, extension cord from uh, the first floor all the way up to the second floor. So... So you, what should we do? Do you have the ability to isolate the water supply to that second floor space? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you could winterize the space, uh, which essentially is you know shutting off all the water to the second floor, and then you would drain all the water out of the second floor so there's no water in any of the pipes up there. And then you can add some antifreeze, um, like there's special antifreeze that you need to use. It's natural and organic, like you would use in an RV, and you can put that in the toilets and these kinds of so things. So there's and, no toilet. Okay, the perfect. To that's be even rehab. better. There's none of that. Very good. Uh, so that's not an issue then. So, yeah, I think you don't have to heat the space as long as there's nothing up there uh, that could freeze and break, such as water pipes or these kinds of things. The only other thing you might be a little bit concerned about is just moisture up there. So it is something you may want to just you know, make sure you're attentive to, and um, um, you may need to run a dehumidifier or something like that just to make sure you don't have moisture problems up there from no air moving up there. Well, is it okay that we got the, we, we sealed off all the windows with plastic, or should we take the plastic off? Um, is there something wrong with the windows as, as to why you covered them in plastic? Or? I call myself trying to keep, keep the heat in, but it's obvious there's no heat in there. 
Yeah, I don't think the plastic is really going to do much for you, but I would keep the windows closed because the humidity outside is higher usually than the humidity on the inside. So oh, the windows I, are closed. We can't, you yeah. know, because of the, this weather we had. Yeah. So you saying take the plastic off? I really don't see a need for it unless there's something wrong with the window. Um, the plastic oh, isn't going to add much. The yeah, the plastic isn't going to add much more. Because it doesn't it, help keep the room a little bit warmer. There's no heat source anyway, so eventually the room's going to reach the same temperature as the outside. So. Oh, I see. So we just—I thought we were doing something, you know, to help by by putting the plastic on the window. So we just have to take the plastic off. It's not going to hurt anything, but I don't think it's going to help anything either. So there's no reason for her to take it down. Did you use the the blow dryer and everything to shrink it up? No, we just um, put the regular plastic up and just staple it around it. We didn't use the yeah. blow dryer. I, you you don't have to remove it, uh, but but it's not doing any. It's not adding any value for or, or, or retaining any more heat than uh, than no plastic. Well, there's no water. Yeah, so long as the yeah. water's off up there, like I said, then the really oh, the only thing you would be concerned about is just moisture up there and humidity. Oh, just moisture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mike, do you have anything to add? Go ahead. I'm uh, I don't. I, I, to tell you the truth, I couldn't hear her very well, so I had to listen to, to what Jim said to catch up on it. But I think what Jim stated made sense also. I agree. Okay. Bess, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. That's okay. I'm just... Uh... And thank, thank you guys for the call. Thank yeah. you for taking my yeah, Thank call. you for calling in. It was a good program. I was telling her I just kind of stumbled across this your, your station, and I've been listening ever since. Now, do you live on the first floor of the two-flat? Uh, well, we had a tenant there, but nobody lives there now, but we do keep the heat on. The heat is going, and we go over there and let the water run through the pipes, but nobody is living on the first floor. On the but first floor. We do floor have either. all okay. the utilities on, though. Okay. Well, Bess, make sure you keep listening because the show's way better when Lou is here. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed you guys too. Hey, you guys, it was a good club. <laughs> All right, good substitute. Uh, well, thank you, Bess. You stay warm and take care of yourself. Thank you so okay, much so for it's calling. Okay, for the first floor, right? With the heat, heat up. Yes, if no one's li- if no one's living there, yeah, I would. Um, well, two things. I don't know how often you check in on it, but um, I'm not a big fan of leaving the water on when no one is present, particularly if it's a long period of time. No, because... just a little drip. I thought they said when the temperature runs, when the temperature drops, so the pipes don't freeze. We've heard that too, and we try to leave a drip no. going too. I prefer to turn it off at yeah. the main. <laughs> oh, turn it off. If no one's living there, it, it, um, unless you need the humidity, uh, if you have a humidifier on your furnace. Um, no, I don't. I have a bore. Then, we have radiators. Okay, so you may want to check with your HVAC guy before, okay. if you decide to shut the water off, because some of them do feed. Oh, yeah. Like if they get low on water, they'll, they'll, re- they'll automatically feed from the water supply. I'm not a fan of leaving water on in units when no one's living there, because most often, if you're going to have a problem, it's going to be a water problem. Oh, I just don't, because I thought they said leave it on just a little drips. You know, it's not just drip, drip, drip. One more question, one quick question. Sure. The therm, the, the, the thermostat, what should I keep it on? I think it's on like 68 now. Do I need to increase it? No, no. Th- right now the weather is so mild. Yeah. That, yeah, you're not going to have any pipe freezing issues right now. I mean, it's just, it, it does get colder overnight, but during the day, I think even today it's supposed to be in the 40s. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about um, cold right now. What about when the temperature drops? 
again, I think it's one of those things that you you you, you kind of have to monitor. It. Every every okay. home is different. Um, like Wendy was saying, she's got areas of her house that are colder than others, and you know, without knowing how your house is and how well it's insulated, it's really hard for me to say. But in general, uh, you know, fifty five degrees should be fine in most homes um, when it's not occupied. But again, part of that depends on, you know, where's the water supply? How close to the outside wall is it? And these kinds of things. So, okay. Yeah. So, where you have it set at, you should be safe. Um, but if, you know, if, if other conditions exist, you, you could take it to a cooler temperature uh, to save a little more money on energy. But, oh, okay. Yeah. Thank so you, you for calling. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank take you. care Bye-bye. of yourself, best First time caller. And I hope she calls again when Lou is here. Um, I have a question about pipes and freezing. When it was uh, ice cold uh, out there uh, over Christmas time, we have an, uh, a bathroom that is surrounded by outside walls. And we try to leave a little water dripping, but it's, it's the drain that freezes, not the really? pipe. Yeah, it's like, you know, you'll hop in the shower and then all of a sudden, you know, you look down and it's like, okay, this is not draining. It freezes. Wow. Um, and then when it warms up, it goes right down. Is that like a weird issue? Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, I mean, have, no one's ever had a drain freeze before. Mm-hmm. And I can't insulate the pipes. You know, I know they make those foam roller. Basically, it's like a noodle that you put yeah, on yeah, your yeah. pipes, but I can't access it because it's, you know, closed in. But yeah, our, our water never froze and it's just the drain freezes up. You really, you could pour boiling water down there and ultimately it'll start going. Sometimes I put some salt in there and that actually where was this i'm sorry where was this uh shower this is in our upstairs uh master bath yeah is it over a garage or something okay no it's just uh it's got outside walls but it's over you know it it maybe maybe just kidding uh if you can get a small enough hole uh between where the drain is and the outside wall um, and get some, get toward the the outside wall and get some spray foam or something to go in there because it sounds like the rim joist isn't um, insulated well enough and you're getting that cold air coming in. Yeah, it's just surprising that, that the makes drain sense. would freeze before I the know. water pipes would. We've freeze. never had any water issues. It's just the drain. Well, but what if what if the drain is in a different cavity than the, the yeah. water lines? You know, oh, you yeah. might just have that one cavity as an air leak coming in or, or the wind. Right where it's coming in there, so that, that one cavity is getting colder than the right. rest. Right. All right. right. Here's right. what yeah. we're going to do. We're going to take a break. Mike, we are going to try and reconnect with you because we're, uh, you know, you're not sounding like Darth Vader, no, but he's you're working starting... on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're bubbling. So we are going to disconnect I with you and try and reconnect. And um, Mike Holmes, just in case you haven't uh, figured out, he's on the phone because he's left us and he's moved to Florida. Uh, he's with Creative Carpentry. We're going to try and reconnect with him. Jim Sullivan from Tate Enterprises is in the studio with us and i am wendy snyder and for lou manfredini you are listening to house smarts radio on 720 wgn here's what's going on jim sullivan is with us in the studio from tate enterprises mike holmes on the phone with creative carpentry mike hopefully we have a better phone line at this point okay how do i sound 
You sound pretty good. We'll see what happens. Um, and I had mentioned that my drain froze, not the pipes. And it's really bizarre because I have stumped the panel of experts today. But there are people texting in that have the same issues, same problem as Wendy with shower, drain freezing when it was so cold. Pipes were fine. What to do? My drain also freezes, says 815. I pour RV antifreeze in it when the temperature gets below zero. Yep, you would have to do that every time you use it. Okay, and during the break, we can't forget to leave this part out, Wendy. (laughs) All right, go ahead. (laughs) During the break, uh, we discussed that your drain is actually outside. Because you said when you walk outside, there's an overhang and you look up and that's where the shower is. Right. I mean, you can't visibly see it, but uh, yeah, if we're on our deck, uh, the ceiling above us is the floor of the bathroom. And that's the problem because that's the bath bath cantilevers over the first floor. Right. right? Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that's what I was getting at. She's got, she's got to insulate that section of the um, floor joist. Yeah. But you also, if you can get some heat in there would help also. How am I supposed to get heat in there when it's outside, as you say? Well, when you redo that bathroom, yeah, and I'm going to give you my card. Okay, but that when- <laughs> is something. But honestly, you're you're right because I have to. It was yeah. like it's very 70s, yeah. you know. I I hear porno music when I walk into it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I it needs to it needs to be done redone. Yeah. What would you do to rectify that situation? I would probably try and move that shower out of that space uh, because trying to heat an exterior, it's basically a soffit, you know, on the outside and trying to heat that or or, or keep that space from freezing is going to be very hard because you can insulate all day long, but insulation doesn't create heat. Insulation only retains heat. So the highest R value, you know, let's just say you could insulate it to R100. That means it takes 100 minutes for the air to change temperatures. So no matter how much insulation you put in, eventually it's going to reach the same temperature unless heat is being provided. All right. Well, the other side of the bathroom is where the toilet is, Mm -hmm. and that is over the stairwell. Mm -hmm. So that would be something you'd move the shower maybe then to the other side. But wouldn't the toilet freeze then if that was... Not necessarily because the toilet doesn't have a trap that's below ground. Or below grade, or below the floor, excuse me. Oh. A trap in a toilet happens in the toilet. A trap, uh, and we're talking about a, a, a sewer gas trap. That sewer gas trap for the shower is in the floor joists, which is underneath the shower. Got it. Where on a toilet, you flush the toilet, the trap is in the toilet, the water gravity feeds and flushes right on through. So when you put when you change your wax seal, there was a big four-inch hole in the floor. Yeah. And, and if you just poured water down there, it would just go away. Right. It just flushed on down. Right. Where on a shower, there's a trap just like underneath your sink. And that's what's freezing is the trap. Okay, But to ask the dumbest question of the day, which will be coming from me, if a toilet goes there and there's a hole in the floor and a wax ring, then um, as I'm sitting on my deck and look up, I will see like a big plumbing thing where the toilet would be. No, because there's, a, there's again, no. it depends on the framing, but you should have enough room in the joists oh, okay. to be able All to right. conceal the four inch 90 or whatever it is that's needed to get the toilet. All right. Can I ask? Yeah. When you're looking at from the outside of the house and you're looking at that overhang, is it like aluminum or is it wood or what? It's wood. It's wood. Because I, I understand where Jim's going with this, but I also wonder if 
there's some kind of uh, air gap, and that's keeping that air real cold there. Because if you could seal that off and insulate it, mm-hmm. um, the warmth from the home itself between the floors, between your first floor and your second floor, you're getting you're building up heat in those in that floor joist cavity. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting uh, air flowing from the outside from that overhang, now you're changing that that uh, air temperature. So I I still think instead of trying to move those uh, two fixtures around, try to insulate it first and see if that does it. Yeah, it's a, it's a cheaper way to do it, and to me, I think it it, it makes sense because of that overhang. That that's a big issue to me. Yeah, I agree. Insulating will help for sure. Uh, will it keep the drain from freezing when it's minus twenty outside? Probably not. Well, then I'll take a shower in nope. the other bathroom. <laughs> that's how that's how we do it now. But now 773 says don't pour antifreeze into our water system unless you're a sociopath. So that no. is a good point. Yeah, not regular antifreeze. So this is... There is all natural antifreeze. Right. That was... I wanted to specify yes, that. Yes, yes. I um, did say that earlier yes. also. Yes. Because someone else said, you know, go get the window washer solvent. Yeah, window solvent. wash has um, antifreeze in it yeah. as well. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, that, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I go with that i mean just because rvs uh when you i don't own an rv but when you do drain an rv it does go into a sewer system so i feel like at least that uh um, antifreeze has been tested that it is okay to put in sewer systems or at least that's my belief no one uh is testing whether or not uh what's in window washer fluid right because no one would typically pour that down a drain okay so 773 we are not sociopaths and you have to be careful about things you pour down your drain anyway you you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, for sure. And don't flush your medications down the toilet either. That is not what you do. You can call your village hall and find out when a drop-off date is. A lot of um, police departments and villages have that. Because seriously, that is crazy. Some I found some old medication, and I I know that you're you're supposed to turn it in, but if not, you can also put it in coffee grounds and throw it in the garbage because you don't want someone picking through your garbage and taking medication that may not be good for them. But again, where does or that critters. go? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, very good point. All right, we are going to do some news, and uh, we have a lot that we still want to cover, and your phone calls as well, 312-981-7200. It's Wendy Snyder in for Lou Manfredini today, House Smarts Radio on 720 WGN. Mike Holmes is with us from Creative Carpentry, Jim Sullivan from Tate Enterprises, and you can text us, call us, 312-981-7200. We had talked about old medication, and uh, I got numerous texts from people saying most Walgreens have an expired medication drop box, or you can bring it back which I didn't really know, so that's good to know. Take old meds uh, to Walgreens, Walgreens. Nice. And 773, Wendy, can you ask your house questions off the air and let some callers get on instead of taking up all the time on your personal problems? Just saying. Uh, 773, why don't you call in then? And we can take your questions. In the meantime, (laughs) we'll go to line two, and Don has called us from Frankfurt this morning. Good morning, Don. Hi, I just want to say good morning. Enjoy listening. Uh, I was listening to the radon section, and I just wanted to mention a lot of the houses built in the last 10 years. A lot of municipalities have uh, passive radon systems required by code. 
and to put a, a rate on and to make that active, you know, you're talking about a thousand dollars because the electric is already ran a dedicated electric line is already up into the attic. The three inch pipe is already mitigated through the house into mm. the foundation and the sump pumps are all sealed. So nice. um, if somebody, you know, is lucky enough to have a, a newer home where the municipalities have it in the code, yep. it's a, it's a pretty inexpensive, well, not inexpensive, but yeah. it's more, yeah. it's, it's less costly. Yeah. yeah. It's pre-configured for it. Which is genius. Yeah, that is for really sure. And like I said, it is not, yeah, it is not in the current international building codes that it's required. But I think if municipalities, you know, individual towns are requiring it at least to be installed and ready to be, you know, activated if, if, if radon is still testing high, I think it's great. Like I said, uh, yeah. Like I said, I'll be shocked if in 10 years from now, it's just not required. Yeah, um, it should be. Yeah. And I, all I know, and, and and Don, I don't know if you can speak to this, but when we uh, were talking about getting a radon uh, elimination system or whatever it's called, honestly, I think it was like three or 4,000, and this was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, sorry, 773 earmuffs. I'm talking about my house again, <laughs> if that bothers you. But Don, that is really good to know that building codes have changed. And see, it's municipalities yes it's a sign of the times right and the other thing people can do if they go on to a site you can put your zip code in for radon and what it does is it shows the probability Mm. if that area is high in radon and i'll bet you there's a correlation between the municipalities that have added that to the code and the data you'd see on that Site. Interesting. I've never heard that before. That's pretty good. That's good information because, like, you, like we were talking before, as I'm sure you know, it 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 can vary from area to area. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So if, if if a municipality knows that they have a high level in in you know in their town, the conditions are right for whatever that is. You know, the scale underground. Who knows? Um, yeah, requiring it while the house is being built, I think, is really smart. It is. Thank you for that information, Don. We totally appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. You guys have a nice day. Yeah, thanks, Don. Thanks for the call. All right, we can go to line one, and John has called us this morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Not so bad, Wendy. I've been a huge fan of yours since 1998 when I met you at John Barleycorn's at a radio broadcast. (laughs) Was I drunk? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I probably was later. No, you were you were professional. Uh, well, thank you so much, John. It's so good you're calling in. It's great to be here. I'm sitting in for Lou today, and I have the experts Mike and Jim with us. So, you have a question? I do. Um, I have a house from the '70s, dark wood paneling in the, in the family room. Um, just like your house, Wendy. When I walk in there, I hear the piano music too. We're going to remodel <laughs> that. It's very it's very cold and drafty in there. And I'm going to do it myself pretty handy, so I'm going to strip it down to the studs. My question is, while I do that, would it be wise to do the spray foam insulation, get a get a contract to come out and do that before I put the new drywall back up? Mike, are you there? Yep, I'm here. I am, but when, I, oh, I can't hear what he's saying. Okay, that's it's fine. I'll take it. on him. I'll take it. Okay, um, go for it. Yep. Um, so you're definitely going to get a higher R value. I assume, uh, based on the age of the house, that the walls are all going to be two by fours. 
Correct. So nowadays, all exterior walls require a minimum of an R19 and new construction. So that uh, so that means two by six exterior walls. If you're using standard insulation, be it fiberglass or cellulose or or something in those lines. So with a two by four wall, if you use a spray foam insulation, you're going to get a higher value, um, probably uh, closer to like an R23 or so if you fill the stud cavity, yeah, the stud cavities with insulation. Um, So if, if budget allows it, I would recommend it, especially with the fact that our energy costs just keep getting higher and higher and higher. The more we can contain within our structures, uh, the, the the less our utility bills will be. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of getting as much R value as you can, as you can afford, because if you haven't priced it yet, spray foam is going to be quite a bit more expensive than any other kind. Okay. Thank I definitely you. agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. Oops, John John is gone. Uh, and thank you, John, for the kind words and listening to me so long. That is uh, a brave project to tackle, isn't it? Or is it really not that big of a deal? Mm, it, it, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I had some paneling in my house also. And it's one of those things that you, it, it's kind of a mystery. Like, like you know, like if his house is drafty, like, hmm, what are we going to find behind this yeah. paneling, you know? And um, in some cases, you find there's there's nothing. Uh, I mean, it's paneling and that's that. Um, and in some cases, though, there's drywall back there. It might mm. not be finished all the way properly. So it's kind of a mystery. Uh, and that's what's kind of fun about our job. I was just reading in some uh, publication, it was some home improvement thing, that uh, paneling is something you don't want to touch, um, that you should leave it in your house because it was like, you know, for re- redesigning things, you know, what what's good to keep in your house, sure. and paneling was one of them. Uh, is that good well, advice? Well, I mean... For sure, there are definitely design trends in there, which is adding texture to the walls, right? Anything other than just plain old drywall with paint on it. So, you know, slat wall. um, um, Oh, what's the other one that um, you see? um, Tongue and groove type. Yeah, tongue and groove. Um, Shoot, I'm drawing a blank on the other. um, The the thing that I would be concerned with when I see paneling is, um, again, did a homeowner do it just because they were they didn't want to do the drywall work because that's harder to do? Um, and I've seen where they take you know that eighth inch uh, paneling and put it up right over studs, which you shouldn't because it's not strong enough. And then I like the fact that if you're going to take it down, you have the ability to upgrade. You know, if the electric isn't done to to code or like this gentleman with the insulation, uh, it gives you that ability to. Uh, upgrade a little bit on your mechanical parts of your home. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. I, I like wood paneling. The house I grew up in had, it wasn't like, you know, that old dark wood. It's mm-hmm. a lighter, but it's it's pretty. And then the red brick on the um, fireplace, I, it, that's a good look. And it, my mm-hmm. sister lives there and it's like, you know, I, I, I said, are you going to paint that ever? And she's like, why would I? And it really looks good. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, if it looks good, then there's yeah. no reason to change it, right? I mean, that's the most economical yeah. way. If it looks fine, then it doesn't need to be touched. But it ain't broke. Know. But in some cases, there is some pretty nasty paneling that existed in I the guess. 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. 
All right. Um, all right. Well, we are going to take a break. Uh, so, Mike, you hold on. And you know what? Uh, it's time to check in with Lindsay and find out what's new at Builder Supply Outlet. This brought to you, of course, by BuilderSupplyOutlet.com. Lou's toll-free number goes with him. <laughs> He's not here today. Um, Mike Holmes is here with Creative Carpentry and Jim Sullivan, who's with Tate Enterprises. Um, we were discussing these new gas range issues. Um, should they come with a hood? That's what we're thinking might happen in the future. Um, and Steve has called us from Northbrook on line two, and he wants to comment on the hood yeah. vent. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Wendy. Good morning. Hi, Mike. Hi, Jim. Good hey, morning. Wendy, you sounded great. Thanks. I'm really glad to hear you this morning. Aww. Hey, uh, you know, I have a 1958 split level um, that I've been in here for 20 plus years. And when I moved in, I had the same situation you did the over the, you know, over the stove microwave and just the recirculating vent. And actually, two of them burned up. I think the heat affects those things myself, mm-hmm. but. That's another show. Um, what I wanted to do was taking out the hood. <laughs> what I wanted to do was taking out the hood or taking that out, putting in a hood. I had the HVAC guy come. He ran a tube, vented the thing out through the um, through the attic, the mm-hmm. whole bit. Yep. And what I find is that it really made a big difference. I turn mine on automatically every time, even if I'm just cooking on the stove. Mm. Takes the fumes out, takes the extra heat out, and maybe more importantly for some people. Um, Take the garlic and the onion out, which I like to cook a lot with, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't wind up smelling your whole front, you know, your whole first floor. Yeah. So I, I think it just makes total sense if anybody's going to do it, and even you, if you're going to go with a new stove, don't be afraid of gas. Gas rocks. Um, <laughs> but put the few hundred, you know, go a few hundred more, put the hood in, have the guy vent it out, and uh, you'll be well. What's the old saying when we were kids? Cooking with gas. And um, <laughs> I think you'll like the. Uh, I think you'll like the overall effect that you have because, like I said, it doesn't you know take a lot of the smell and stuff out of the kitchen as well. So that's it. I'm yep. very satisfied with it. I think uh, you know if you're doing it, don't be afraid to take the extra step and get the hood in right. I think it just adds to value, you know, down the road. Yeah, absolutely totally agree. Totally agree. Thank when you, when Steve. all the systems are in and they're working properly, and you use it. Uh, which is key because you'd be surprised how many people don't use their hoods. Um, but when all those systems are in place, uh, it, it it's great. I- Especially when your husband burns the uh, microwave popcorn and uh, you can't get that smell <laughs> yeah. out. You need the hood going. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But see, that's the thing, yeah. too, is if it, there's no other place for me to put my microwave then, you know. Uh, you'd have to get a cart or something. We don't yeah. have a very big kitchen. On the counter or... I, again, I yeah, but I mean that's yeah. something yeah. you know we used to have it in a different place, and then you know oh let's put it over the range that's a perfect spot yeah, and that's kind of becoming passe now too you know mm-hmm. trends always change. We rarely when I redid my kitchen. Yeah, uh, I put in two microwaves and I built them to the cabinetry um, because I, I didn't want to take up the countertop space, and I'll tell you that was one of the best parts of our kitchen is having two microwaves. So I think uh, it's just part of your design when you're going to remodel or something. Think about those kind of things. Yeah. Because um, you don't want to lose your countertop space. It's no. too valuable. It's like uh, prime, uh, you know, lake frontage 
Yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, we, and, and, and Mike's right. I mean, rarely do we design a microwave over a hood uh, or excuse me, over a range. Um, it's not ideal. Um, but sometimes, you know, space requires it, you know, and um, if we've got a client particularly that's putting in an electric range, you know, it's not it's it's not venting out like gases and all that kind of stuff. So. Only if we yeah, have to still, as a space. I saver. still think you want to vent because oh yeah, it's still got to vent outside. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, it's got to yeah. vent outside. All right. Um, well, let's talk to Marsha. She has called us. She's on line three. And Marsha, you don't want a gas range. You like your electric. What? I do. I uh, good morning, by the way. Good morning. And I love the show. Thanks. Uh, and you're doing a great job, Wendy. Oh, thank you, Marsha. <laughs> Marsha. Marsha. <laughs> That's what I, they call me. <laughs> uh, I have uh, grew up and, you know, as I got older, I've always cooked on an electric ra- uh, gas range. And uh, I had reason to move into uh, my townhouse and it's beautiful townhouse, um, but it had an electric range. And I was almost not going to buy this townhouse because of that, because I am quite a cooker. I bake, I you know, do jam and all this kind of stuff. But I was like, okay, just suck it up and buy the house. Uh, so I did. And um, it was a little bit of a trial and error at first. It, it does take some getting used to, but I would not give up my electric range for anything. Really? Why? Uh, what, what What do you see as the, like, the reason you like it better than the gas? Well, you know, you can put stuff on the range, like when you come home from the grocery store and, you know, you're bringing all your groceries in. Sure, so an extra surface. Right, the flat top. I have a glass top. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, it just gives you a little bit more space, not that you need to to clutter things up. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm a clutterer, so I need the space. So go. (laughs) I I can see where that would be helpful. I'm right there with you. Um, But it's just easier to clean, you know, like when you're cooking on a gas grill, a stove, uh, the food falls into the grates, and now you got to reassemble the whole gosh darn thing, and it's a pain in the butt. Yeah. But I love it. You know, and it is the only plus. (laughs) (laughs) So, when I I go to my daughter's house to, to cook dinner at her house, she's got gas, and I've been cooking on the electric for 20 years, and it really takes. Some, you know, it's like, okay, this is a little bit different in uh, gas range. Uh, it doesn't cook as fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to watch that you don't burn your stuff because I, I did burn quite a few things. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm I'm there with you. So quick, I'll keep my story quick. I don't want uh, texters to tell me they don't want to have oh, Jim's no, problems. Don't don't bother them. <laughs> oh so, gosh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, my old house, we had a gas, uh, we had a range top. So it's okay. like a, you know, like a, a like a wolf range. Just picture the top. So mm-hmm. that was our cooking surface. Then we had built-in ovens. Um, but at any rate, the um, it was all gas. Loved it. Cooked on it all the time. Hard to clean. You know, blah blah blah. This house we've been in 11 years, my kids have been basically raised in this house from the time my daughter was 10 to she's now 22. And my daughter loves to cook. So, and my kids now are, some of my other kids are cooking. And if I had that same gas range that I had in my old house that I have now, it would be completely destroyed because kids learning to cook are messy. Stuff spills out of the pot. You know, you're boiling the mashed potatoes and that yeasty water falls, you know, and it's all nasty and it's burning on your beautiful range with the electric. 
I mean, I just get out the soft scrub or the, you know, barkeeper's friend right. and I clean the glass and it's perfect again. So in yeah. our next house, or in, excuse me, in this house, when we actually redo our kitchen, which we haven't done yet, um, when we do, we're going to go with an induction, which is a combination of both, right? I shouldn't say combination, but induction has the speed of gas without the, uh, without, and, 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 excuse me, and the convenience of the glass top. So it works magnetically. It's a little bit different than like an electric range. The way it works is it's a magnetic range uh, cooktop, excuse me, and it heats the actual pan. So the pan has to be metal and it has to be conductive. Yep. But people that have those love them because you don't have the gas, easy to clean, glass top, yada, 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 and you can boil water faster than you can on a gas range. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah. That's right out of the Jetsons. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but people that have them love them. Love them. Induction. Induction, yeah. yeah. Induction is great, too. My sister said it took a bit for her to get yep. used to it, but she, she swears by it as well. So yep. maybe that's what I'll do with my next one. Yeah, and that's what we'll do. Is, yeah, well, mine is like 20 years old, so I said, oh, gosh, <laughs> it'll conk out on me at Easter. Well, yeah. thank you so much for calling. And Marsha, I think you and Jim are going to go cook on your election, er, elections, election. your uh, electric or induction stoves. And I don't know. I think Mike and I are going to stay with the gas. I'm telling you, when you go look, look I, at all your options. I grill more than anything. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's a good one. Well, Marsha, thank you for calling. Appreciate it. Okay. Have a good day, you, you guys. You as well. I um, would like to get a new stove um, because, again, mine is very old. It's a whirlpool. It's done its job, whatever. Um, But the burners are very small, and now the new ones have the four burners, and then in the middle you can put a griddle there. I don't even like pancakes, but I want the ability to make pancakes. Yes. Well, like I said, when when you're ready to make the investment on a new range, look at all your options – Look at electric, look at induction, and look at gas, and make a decision on what you think is best. Don't rule electric out and, because and you... what your cooking is, the type of cooking you do, because you, like you mentioned, a griddle, you know, something that makes no difference. So what do you typically do on your your appliances makes a big difference on your choices, too. I sure. will never make pancakes. I would use the griddle maybe to make grilled cheeses, yeah. but um, I just <laughs> like the ability to have it. It looks cool. <laughs> it's good for tostadas. Oh, yeah, that would be good. And the grill is the way to go. Are you charcoal or gas? I, I'm gas because I like the convenience. And uh, like I said, I, I grill everything. I grill meats. I grill salads. We grill fruit, uh, you know. And I just like grilling. <laughs> it's we, a man thing, you know. <laughs> I, I am with you on that. We have we use our grill. Well, I use our grill year-round because it's right off the back porch. Mm-hmm. And it's covered. Uh, so we use it year-round. I, I, I'm with you on the grill. And gas, very quick. Uh, I, I know there are charcoal connoisseurs out there that swear by it. I am very impatient. I cannot wait for the briquettes to get going. But to well, each of us. are the same. Jim's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say that's the first time I've been told that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, All right, guys. Well, hang on. We are going to take a break. We have another a little over an hour to go, and we'll take your phone calls. 
and texts 312-981-7200. I said that very strangely. Um, Lou is not here today. It's Wendy Snyder in his chair. And we have a different phone number because he's not here. So 312-981-7200. We will continue with your calls and texts next on House Smarts Radio 720 WGN. Um, no toll-free number today because he's not here. So 312-981-7200. And since Lou is not here, I need to surround myself with experts to help out with the phone calls and the texts. So Mike Holmes is here with Creative Carpentry and Jim Sullivan with Tate Enterprises. And I believe we have a call on line five. Um, Larry is calling from McHenry this morning. Good morning, Larry. Yeah, good morning. Uh, I got a question for you on the stoves. Uh, if we switch from all gas stoves to all electric stoves, how many more coal mines and coal miners will we have to hire to supply the coal to the uh, electric uh, producing plants? Well, that is a great question. I know. I, uh, you know, I would be the first to tell you that I wish we had uh, a Hoover Dam in Illinois, but unfortunately we don't. Um, we are moving towards alternative energy solutions uh, or renewable energy solutions, um, windmills and, um, of course, solar. Um, so I do think that, you know, the challenge with gas has always been, you know, again, we, we, we all watch the news, right? And we all see, you know, from time to time an explosion in a house. And so the challenge with gas is, you know, there's issues. Like the, the caller before, they called, she, owned, uh, she bought an, a condo. There's a reason they don't allow yep. gas ranges in there. Oh, I didn't even think of they that. Can't have, they can't have gas leaks like that. Oh. So that's why they require electric. Um, so, you know, I, I'm with you. I, like I said, I wish we had a Hoover Dam, but we don't. Um, I don't know if there's a way. I'm looking out the window here. Something we could do with this river. I'm not sure that can generate some electricity. Um, but, you know, like I said, solar, I think, is probably, you know, where we'll end up um, to balance out the increased energy consumption on electricity. Yeah, I understand that if we want to go all solar for the country, we would have to have uh, uh, like the size of the state of Texas, all solar to supply electricity for the country. And I don't think they're going to want that, you know. Yeah, solar, but energy efficient products, that's, that's going to keep uh, developing as we go. Uh, and cleaner uh, fuels are going to show. I think right now we're, we're trying to progress too quickly because we don't have all the answers to the problems. And I think that's where the caller's uh, trying to go is, you know, you want to go full electric, but, you know, we don't really have the electric capabilities yet. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have a lot of things. And I think we're just trying to go too quickly, um, but it's going to be the long term. We're going to have to go that way. Uh, I, I agree with him, but it's, we have to, have everything in place before we do that you can't just start saying okay you can't have gas stoves anymore um but we don't really have all the solutions if we get rid of them all so that's a good point i agree there hopefully hopefully uh in the near future we'll all all every house will have its own cold fusion plan so uh (laughs) and we won't worry about that (laughs) well larry i appreciate your call this morning you have a great weekend okay okay have a good new year's and uh, be safe you as well 
Okay, um, Jim, you mentioned um, solar, and now I keep getting ads when I'm wasting hours of my day on TikTok, and it's like, oh, yeah, you can get solar panels free for your house. And then I go down the block, and I see somebody has solar panels, and I'm like, wow, that looks kind of cool, and I wonder how much they're saving on their electric bill. You can't get these things for free. Um, I haven't found a way to get them for free. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I've done, I've had two companies come out. Uh, I was very interested in solar on my own house. Um, I've had two companies come out. Pricing was very similar. I'm not going to say how much, but I'll just say it was over 10000 to get solar on my house. All right. And they, the way it works is they kind of look at what your electrical consumption is, and they figure out how many panels you need. What's interesting about solar is, and again, I do this stuff for a living. So if, if it's interesting to me, then it's probably going to be really interesting to you. Um, but what's interesting to me is that solar works a little different than I expected. So what was interesting to me is... When you put solar panels on your house, what you're actually doing is you're feeding power to the power supplier. So you're actually provide you're you're generating power which is put to the grid. Okay, so what does so that, you're giving, what does that mean, right? So you're providing electricity for people on your grid. On your grid, exactly. And so think of it this way, and this is the best way I can explain it. If the sun is shining and you have solar panels on your house and your power goes out, you don't have power. Okay. Because the panels are feeding the grid. So if the grid goes out, you still don't have power. Okay, that Unless does not you mean- have a battery. So you can add a battery to the system, but that's a whole other thing. That would be like a stand that's a standby like generator, like Mike was talking about a hmm. whole house generator. This is interesting. It's very interesting. So you can get a battery, but the batteries are only capable of providing electric, depending on the size of the battery, for a certain amount of time, um, based on, you know, how big the battery is, just like your phone or any other kind of battery. Um, but there are some appliances in your home that require two batteries because some things in your home run on 220 volts and each battery is only putting out electric on a phase and so if you need a phase and b phase i.e an electric range your air conditioners anything that runs on 220 volts which there's several if you open up your panel anything that's a double breaker those are all 220 volts needed you would need two batteries to power those should you lose power and have a battery system. Okay, think about the beginning, uh, January 1st, we didn't see sun for like nine yeah. days. So there was no sun at all. Yeah. So the meter, the, your meter gets replaced, and whatever energy you're, you're, you're creating on your roof panels or wherever your solar panels are, are being fed to the meter. You get energy tax credits from ComEd. Is the way we sure the because way you're providing here. electricity yep, to yep, them. Y- yep, and so you get it. You that comes off of your electric bill, so you get a credit for it. So if it's if the sun doesn't shine and you're not producing any electricity and you're you're relying on the grid 100, percent then your bill is going to be normal. You know, for that month, yeah, assuming the right. sun doesn't shine. Although solar panels still work when the when it's cloudy outside, but that's a whole other conversation. But, Tell that um, to my garden yeah. lights. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So, um, so anyway, but that's how it works is that, like I said, you're providing, you get an energy tax credit. That tax credit goes away at the end of every calendar year. It resets back to zero. So if we have a particularly, you know, year where you're producing a ton of electricity and you exceed your energy bill, it goes back to zero at every calendar hmm. year. So, 
And depending on how many panels you have, based on how much usage you have, you know, you try and match that as close as you can. So in my house, we were trying to match at 80%. So I didn't need ComEd to take, or excuse me, the panels to take 100% of my electricity. I was just shooting to get my bill lower than it is now. And so we were shooting at about 80%, which required quite a, quite a bit of solar panels on my house. Um, and like I said, it was, like I said, over, over $10,000 from two different companies for the panels. There's probably ways to bring that down. We didn't really go down, you know, uh, I mean, financing and leasing and all that kind of stuff um, were all options, you know, um, but it wasn't, I've heard Lou talk about this before also. There's a, there's a point at which it costs more than it's worth. And so in my case, it would have taken us 14 years Okay, of, I of see reduced what you're electric bill yeah. to pay off what I would have paid for those panels. And I've heard Lou talk about that you want to shoot for about 10 years of your capture, you know, in terms of what you've invested versus what your electric bill is, a 10-year um, recoup on your investment. Now, what if you buy a house that someone has put the panels on nine years ago? That might be worth your while then, right? It might be, yeah. I definitely think it adds value to a home. I do think, you know, especially the younger generation, I do yeah. think that they care. They about- need to take care of us because we have, we have messed everything up. <laughs> Kids, I'm relying on you to help us. Yeah, but I, like I said, it's 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 an interesting thing, and like I said, I I do think it's the way we should move, and I do think more energy efficiency and all that kind of stuff, and the ability to produce electricity at our own house is good because Comed loses fifty percent of the energy they create is lost just in these lines just to get it to our house. So the closer you can get that energy uh, creation to the end user, the better we are. Well, that is fascinating. We have learned a lot. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. All right, we're going to take a break for news. Uh, Mike Holmes, you sit tight. Uh, Mike is in Florida right now enjoying uh, a cold snap. What is it, 62? (laughs) No, I think it's getting warmer now. It's supposed to be about 70, I believe. Oh, you poor baby. All right, well, uh, we're going to... i got to wear a long sleeve shirt. Oh, so sorry to hear that. We're going to be in the 40s today. Jim Sullivan is here with me, and we will continue with your calls. 312-981-7200. It's Wendy Snyder in for Lou Manfredini today on House Smarts Radio 720 WGN. You can text us or call us. Mike Holmes is with us today. Uh, I have a panel of experts that consists of two of you guys today. Mike Holmes with Creative Carpentry and from Tate Enterprises. Jim Sullivan is with us in the studio today. We have gotten a lot of comments via text about the solar panels. Um, so if I have solar power on my home, would I need a whole house generator if there was a power failure? Yes, unless you add batteries to your solar system. <laughs> um, we have solar and are on the grid. If the power goes out, the solar shuts down, and we still have power from the grid. That's what 708 says. Uh, solar panels, what if you need a new roof? Panels, <laughs> panels have to come off. Oh man! Most solar companies though would make sure they like both the companies I talked to said they would not put panels on a roof that is older older than ten years old. So they yes. they, they try yeah. and deal with that before they put the panels on. So you're not calling them in two years saying they, I need you to take them off. They do have some. They do have some new solar panels now that uh, actually look like the clay tile type roofs. Mm-hmm. So you don't have those big, ugly black panels. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Yeah, it, it, from what I understand, and Jim obviously has researched this way more than I have, um, you don't really get power from those grids. You're just feeding the system, and then you get compensated from the system by, you know, yeah. your rates. So, yeah. yeah. And Tesla has uh, roof shingles that look, uh, regular roof shingles that have solar um, really? capabilities built in them, so you don't have to have the panels. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, most common people see are the panels, though. Uh, that was the best. So expl- the one kind of, kind of in the same uh, thought process is with the cars. Um, they're working on these panels to be built into the road systems. So the roads are actually uh, giving uh, or sucking in energy and, and producing it. So that's what I'm saying. There's there's a lot of cool things out there. They just don't have it at the level that it needs to be at to do what we're trying to, to do right now yeah. by you know getting rid of gas and all the other things. Yep. Um, that was the best explanation of solar panel options I've ever heard. You did make it clear. Another person is saying uh, kind of incomplete or partial information. You are just uh, explaining what you went through when you researched it and what those people told you. Yeah, um, and, 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 and any, uh, if anybody has further questions, you can call. I'm happy to share my experience of what I learned on solar um i am not a solar expert uh, just like everybody else it's fairly new technology yeah. for us um i did meet with two solar companies specifically for my own house um and i'm sharing what i learned exactly. as a guy who knows how homes work in right. terms of electricity <laughs> yes you do uh, that would be it for sure. Uh, this hour of House Smarts Radio is sponsored by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Um, okay, we have a phone call to take. 312-981-7200. Um, we will take on line four. Um, I don't have a name here, though. Is it the name of the person online? Scott is on line four. Yeah. Oh, hi, Scott. How yeah, are you? you? Oh, I'm pretty good. I made a deal with a guy, a Segura, and they lived, the guy owned a place at Trump Tower, and I told him, I want dinner at Trump Tower, and I'll sign up with you guys. They told me, <laughs> zero power bill. I will supply the line. I never got tax credits. My power bill this month is $400, and I have a solar loan of 250 to pay. What's going on? <laughs> well, see, now that is what I'm saying, too, and, and that's what I brought up to Jim. There are places that say, oh, you can get free solar panels, but that's typically not the case. So you need to go to a reputable person, uh, a company that does this for a living, and find out information. I don't I don't know what you had going, Scott. Well, I would go with Sopel Solar. That's Brent Sopel from the Blackhawks. He owns a power company in our area, actually. So these guys just don't seem to be too honest. They're salesmen. All right. But well, tell you what you want to hear. We, maybe that's the case. I don't know anything. Yeah. And Brent Sopel's a fine guy. I don't know. Yeah. what he's doing. Uh, let me just let me just uh, uh, piggyback on that, and that is that. Um, uh, you have to be registered uh, with the Illinois Commerce Commission to be able to put in a smart meter on your home. So you can't have just anybody just throwing solar panels on your house if you want to get energy credits. So I don't know how else you would connect solar panels to your house, but whoever's installing them has to be registered uh, with the Illinois Energy Commerce Commission to be able to do that. Does that make sense? Yes. With the so. energy panels, with the energy panels that they're they're talking about, where you get it for free, 
my understanding is that the company is putting these panels on your, your roof for free, but they're selling the energy to the electric companies. So they're making their money off of that. And then once they're paid off, you start to reap the benefits back uh, from from what you're contributing to the energy company. So in your case, Jim, you were saying it's like $10,000. You're paying for the panel, and right away you're selling your uh, energy from your roof to the, the um, energy companies, or they're giving you uh, compensation off of your bill. When they're putting them in for free, I believe they're taking that that money that it's generating and giving to the utility companies and they're benefiting from it until it reaches a certain uh, plateau. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't talk to anybody uh, in that regard. I'd be very curious how that would work because the energy credit is directly on your bill. So how would you send your tax credit to a third party? You know what I mean? For the production of that energy you created. Like I said, you know more about it than I do. Yeah, you may be absolutely right. And yeah, you may be absolutely right. And there may be a way to do it that I don't know about. Um, It wasn't something I pursued. I was, I I wanted to own my own panel so that they would be sold with the house. Right. And again, Jim got some quotes and talked to people who do this, who are licensed to do this. And I I know people who lease them. I didn't even know that was an option. So I'm sure that is completely different. Other people are saying that Solar Info was not correct. Um, Then feel free to call. And, you know, we're everybody's kind of still learning about this and I don't know how it couldn't be correct if that's your experience. So um, that's all I can say. And six, three. And like anything else, there's more than one way to do things. Absolutely. Uh, So, so, so is that the only way you can do? No, of course not. Um, That's what I looked into um, and what my experience was and how solar actually works as it relates to putting panels on your house. And 630 says, my son had solar panels put up in his Arizona home. He's supposed to get up on the roof every month to clean them. If that's the case, there is no way. Well, I mean. Honey, pass up the window. (laughs) I mean, would it be a surprise if you were told they're not as efficient if they're dirty? Well, it makes that would complete make sense, sense, right? Yeah. Okay, so there um, you go. Yes, ugly panels, says 847. To me, solar panels look great. They represent the future, free of fossil fuels. Yep. We should all be doing electric, um, and hang on, with demand, uh, the grid will expand. See, we all have an opinion, and we all have a phone, and we can all call and make appointments to find out more about it. Cause oh, yeah, for sure. I, I encourage everybody to find out about it. Yeah, because, I'm fascinated yeah, by it. Yeah, because I, I do think that we will move to alternative energy solutions that are more renewable and try and get off coal. I don't think that's going to happen tomorrow. I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime, but I do think these are things that we can start working on now. It's just like, you know, launching a space shuttle. The first time they did it, they weren't perfect at it, but now we can land rockets back on the ground. You know what I mean? So you have to start and then sort of right. figure some of these things out and, and work on the problems that, uh, that it creates. You can't just, know all the answers until you try. I just know my electric bill is always trending higher than my neighbors. I get that, <laughs> that <laughs> notice from comment all the time going, you are trending 
80% higher than all your neighbors. And I'm like, well, they don't watch TV then or something. I don't know what the deal is. All right, we are going to take a break. And guys, feel free to call in. Um, we will talk to you. 312-981-7200. It's House Smarts Radio on 720 WGN. And I'm Wendy Snyder in for Lou Manfredini, along with Jim Sullivan from Tate Enterprises. He's in the studio with me. And Mike Hi. Holmes from Creative Carpentry. All right, guys, we have some listeners who have been on hold for a little bit, so let's get to them. 312-981-7200. Let's go to line two and Rochelle. Good morning, Rochelle. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Good, thank you for taking my call. What are you rocking out over there? I hear music. Is that us? Oh, no, yeah, well, that's (laughs) my, yeah. That's my Google Nest or whatever. That's how I listen to you. Oh, well, awesome. We don't care how you do it, just that you do it. And you have a question for us today, huh, Rochelle? Yes, I do. I recently had an Ecobee thermostat um, placed on um, my, you know, and how to control it. That was the only one that the heating and air conditioning company, who I really like, would install. But when we had the frigid temperatures, um, my, well, and excuse me, my humidifier is now hooked up to it, whereas I don't have to fool around with the knob every time, you know, the weather changes, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah. But my question is, if I did, if I still had to manually control my um, humidity by using the knob, would I have been better off because my humidity in the house during those temperatures was under 30%, and I ended up with a cold because of the dryness, et cetera. So should I consider having it reversed like it was? So, so you would control it on your own? Yeah, I was just going to say, were you actively changing it when the temperature changed outside? Yes, I would. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Well, if you but, like to adjust it, uh, if you like to adjust it manually, you can go back to a manual uh, humid stat. It's called, um, mm-hmm. but um, you might check um, with your HVAC, or maybe you can even see it on your own. Um, some of them, like mine, um, I have a humid stat that's directly connected to my furnace, but it's right. fully automatic, so it automatically changes the humidity based on the temperature outside. I don't have to manually do it. All okay, I have well, to tell it is, what, do I like it a little more humid or less humid? And then it automatically right. will follow the temperature outside. And do you have an Ecobee or, I mean... And an Ecobee is like a, a, a nest. It's, it's a like a, um, you know, just a smart thermostat. Yes, is that I can that control is? it on my cell phone. Yes, I do not have nice. an Ecobee. I've, yep, yep. I do not I have, have an Ecobee. I have gotten to like it. Yeah. I mean, I was resistant at first, and then I thought, well, why not try it? Yeah. And I really don't want to have the Ecobee removed because I do like it. Yeah. But yet again, for the humidity factor, um, I don't know what to do at this point. I'm sure that there are settings in the Ecobee that you can just go into that you can control the humid stat just like you did before, that you can just take over manually within the Ecobee, that you can control the humidity based on your comfort well, level. And that's what I tried to do. You know, during that time, I was looking at my phone and even on the wall unit of the Ecobee, mm-hmm. um, you know, saying, okay, if I did it this way, that way, it just wouldn't budge. So, I mean, it just wouldn't get, and then I had a separate humidit- humidistat or, you know, one of those tabletop ones that mm-hmm. you can, that it mm-hmm. does with the temperatures outside, inside, yep. and humidity and all that. 
and that would say that's at twenty seven percent and it wouldn't even it wouldn't go above that until they they said well their question their answer to me was the heating and air conditioning people said, well, when it gets warmer, it'll get better. That is true. That is true. Wait, you know, <laughs> okay. I, Rochelle, well, it is true. A lot of students are correct. My arms feel better when level. it gets warmer. Right. My brain but feels Rochelle, better when it gets warmer. I have a manual uh, April air, a whole house one, and you know, I, I turn it up almost as uh, almost as high as it could be because I really don't want it to be dry. But I'm not. No, I don't notice much of a difference when I even turn it up a little more. I just notice mm-hmm. that there's less static electricity. I'm yeah. not feeling moisture. I mean, I'd like it to feel like a sauna. Yeah. So maybe right. it is adequate. It's just... Right. <laughs> Let me yeah. ask you this. Um, is yes. it is that new since the Echo B went in? So in other words, maybe a year ago when it dropped down to minus 10 outside, you were still able to maintain your house at 35 40% humidity, which, by the way, I might add is a little high for that cold of temperature? Mm-hmm. Well, I... Truthfully, at that point, I wasn't using that tabletop one, so I truthfully, I really didn't know what the humidity level was. All I was doing was manually doing it, which truthfully is a pain the way they had it because of where it was located. I had to reach up, you know, way up and... Not convenient. Yeah, so I can't answer that question. The Echabee was just put in... I think it was the end of summer. Okay. So, I mean, I would tell you that the more the furnace runs, the drier the air is. Even though the humidifier mm -hmm. is pumping humidity into the air, it's still dry air. And so when it gets super cold outside and the humidity outside drops, it's very hard for a humidifier to keep up at high levels of humidity. And right. and the other problem with that is when you do have high levels of humidity, if you're if you have older windows in your home, you're going to get a lot of humidity and moisture building up on your um, windows. That's going to start mm-hmm. to freeze, um, and that's a problem also. So, well, thank goodness the the windows in this home are very good. The yeah. home is something like thirty years old. Yeah, but it is. It, it it is a, a well constructed home, and the windows, fortunately, are good. I would continue so, to monitor. Yes, I don't. I don't raise the. I have the temperature set for sixty eight at night and yeah. seventy during the day, and uh, even during the day, I just you know end up just end up putting an extra sweater on versus having the. Yeah, the heat go on yeah. more. So. I would continue to monitor it, and I would see. My sense is, is that part of it is you're just more aware of what the humidity is in your house. That's probably what it. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. probably and it's, right. It's possible you could get a larger humidifier. They do come in different sizes based on the size of your house. But mm-hmm. if if my sense is, is that two things that if you really do need more humidity in the space that you're in, you might be better off with you know adding humidity by another way, maybe a humidifier or a vaporizer or something like Correct. that. That would be an yes. easier fix than replacing the humidifier for the one week out of the year that we drop down to minus 10. Yeah. Yeah. And I do have, I have done that at night and yeah, I do have humid vaporizers. Yes. And, and they actually told me because it's a ranch home and the way the, um, the way the furnace is set up that if I really couldn't even get an extra, oh no, the air cleaner, that's what it was. The wow. air cleaner would be too big. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Well, Got thank it. you for yeah. calling. Yeah, thanks but for the thank call. you. I appreciate it. Yeah.
Thank you, Rochelle. That's true. Like, she's aware of it because she's seeing yeah. the actual temperature, yeah. whereas she didn't before. When you start to watch the humidity, yeah. it's crazy. Like, you'll be, you'll look at it in the summer, and you're like, holy cow, I can't believe it's 60% humidity in here. And then the winter comes, and you're like, oh, it's only 25%. That's a huge swing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is. Yeah, it's, it's crazy when you start watching it, how much it changes in your house. Yep. So don't watch it. Be blind. That's blind to everything. Keep that it works comfortable. Yeah, That's the goal. That Keep it comfortable. It. If it feels comfortable, it's good. That's a great way of looking at it. That's Jim Sullivan with Tate Enterprises. Also, Mike Holmes is here with Creative Carpentry. I'm Wendy Snyder in for Lou Manfredini on House Smarts Radio. News coming up next on 720 WGN. And there's a number today that we're using, 312-981-7200. Lou's coming back next week, and Lou will use his toll-free number. But for today, 312-981-7200. You can text or call us. 